Rachel Barenbaum, author of the novel Atomic Anna. Welcome to the new literary series, Check This Out, with the Howe Library. Thank you to the Howe Library Corporation for sponsoring us tonight and for sponsoring this new series. We're focusing on bringing you new and diverse voices and books and authors that we think you should be reading and talking about. If you love these books, please go to your library, come to the Howe and check it out or go to your local bookstore and buy a copy. Okay, so now we are moving on to my guest and I am out of my mind excited to introduce <laughs> you to Elena Armas. Elena, hello. Hi, hello, hi, good night, good afternoon. Good evening. <laughs> Thank you. So Elena is actually in Spain right now. So it is 1 a.m. And she's so kind mm. to log in for this. We are going to talk to her about her unbelievable books, her newest novel, this is the beauty right here, the American roommate experiment we will talk about and the Spanish love deception. This was her first one right here. You can see the top New York Times bestseller, yeah. instant New York Times bestsellers, both of them. So when I read this book this summer from Elena, um, or maybe it was whatever this spring, I emailed her right away. I read it in a night and I was like, I loved this book. Please come on my show and talk to me. Um, so Elena, I'm just going to read your bio quickly for people that yeah. um, don't know you. And yeah. um, then we're going to kick it off with some questions. So um, Elena is a Spanish writer, a self-confessed hopeless romantic, and much to Mr. B's dismay, a proud book hoarder. After years of devouring stories and posting, okay, fine, yelling about them on her Instagram, The Bibliotech, she has oh, like hundreds of thousands of followers, by the way, she has finally taken the leap and started creating some of her own. While she'd never describe herself as adventurous, having a degree in chemical engineering and being the Monica of her group of friends, this definitely qualifies as the most exciting yet terrifying project she has ever taken on. She's probably biting her nails as you read this or hear this. Heck, she's probably freaking out. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The freak out is real. <laughs> so that tells you all you need to know about how wonderful and amazing Elena is. So <laughs> Elena, please, can you tell us what is the American roommate experiment about? Oh, that is my least favorite question. I'm not going to lie. I'm <laughs> awful at pitching my own books. I ended up like, you know, saying too much or too little and it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to give it my best. Okay. So the American River experiment follows a Rosalind Graham, who is a New Yorker, an engineer who has just quit her job to pursue her dreams. As, an, as a romance novelist, which, by the way, has some parallelisms with my life. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, and then it also follows Lucas Martin, who is um, a character that you kind of, well, both characters you meet in the first book in the Spanish Love Perception, you are introduced to them. And Lucas Martin is the Spanish cousin of Rosie's best friend. This I swear this makes more sense than um, than right now from my, <laughs> you know, from my mouth. And yeah, so Lucas, you know, is visiting New York and staying in um, his cousin's apartment at the same time than Rosie. So somehow I'm not going to like over explain this. Somehow they ended up, you know, um, 
as roommates sharing this tiny studio apartment in New York. And Lucas offers, you know, very, very kindly to help Rosie with her writer's blog. And they end up going on this um, amazing um, date uh, to kickstart Rose's inspiration. As I said, I'm not good at pitching my books. I, <laughs> I think you did a great horrible. job. You did a great uh, job. <laughs> and it is very closely related, as you also noted, to your first novel, The Spanish yeah. Love Deception. Mm-hmm. Um, could you give us a quick overview of that book? Because they, they are tied together. Yes. So The Spanish Love Deception. Now, this is easier because this easily is summarized. (laughs) The Spanish Love Deception follows a young Spanish woman um, who lives in New York City and works for an engineering firm. And, you know, she sees herself in the situation of being invited to her sister's wedding in Spain and not having a date and lying about actually having a date. So as a shocker and, you know, twist of events, she ends up bringing her work nemesis as her fake date and fake boyfriend. And things happen (laughs) drama ensues yes (laughs) yes so these books are so much fun they are romance they are rom-com but they're also I mean there's some serious points and there's some right big ideas in there too but um there are also some super sex scenes (laughs) in both of them um you know you yeah so they are hot and they are fun and um you will devour them in a night so my first question for you is so each of them that you have these intertwined couples sort of right connected each book you can see the characters Mm -hmm. in each book so we have Aaron and Lena and we have Rosie and Lucas Mm -hmm. um did you think of them all together or how did you know sort of how did that all come come to be so the thing with this is that when I first when I first had the idea for the Spanish love deception for the first book um so I never imagined that I would actually like publish that book um, because the Spanish Love Deception at first was self-published. So I I put it out through Amazon um, and then, you know, um, a certain <laughs> chain of events, let's go like that, happened, took place and the book was picked up by a publishing house. But when I wrote that book, I did with like with no expectations and not even like plans for publication. So when I um, crafted this character, these characters, I was not really thinking long term. I was not like thinking of them as a whole and planning for a spinoff and, you know, saying how it would pan out. So I was just like, yeah, um, I have this Spanish girl um, and this um, very grumpy guy. <laughs> And just went for it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I think one of the reasons that so many people are into your books is because you have smart women, right? They're working in, oh. as engineers and they're, right? They're mm-hmm. serious about their jobs, their career, yeah. and they want to make money and be independent. Um, and I really love that. Another um, author who does that, of course, is Ali Hazelwood. Yeah. And, right. Yeah, the yeah. love hypothesis. And people are just devouring this because she also has smart women in STEM, right? Which oh, we yes. all love seeing these characters. And she calls you the uh, undisputed queen of slow burn. Um, 
<laughs> I love that. And you talk about your books also as slow as a journey, right? As they, yeah. they unfold for your characters. So could you talk to us about how you think about that journey? So um, in, in American Room ex- Experiment. Yeah. So in terms of like writing process, I -hmm. usually start with like the premise of the book or the premise of the story of, you know, what's going to happen to these characters. And then I have a sort of like an idea of how things are going to end um, for them, you know, besides the happily ever after. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, usually I know, like, I'm not a huge plotter. I kind of like, I let my characters um, carry me through the story. So I improvise a lot. I rewrite a lot. Um, I, when I start writing, I don't even like, I don't even know everything about my characters. Um, I learn about that as well as I go. Um, so I never like, I, 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 I also like, I write slow burn, I think, because it fits with this, um, this journey that I take at the same time that my characters are taking it. Do you know if it makes any sense? Yes, I love that. Like, yeah. So I wouldn't call it improvisation, but <laughs> I do um, I do let everything flow a lot, like naturally. And I go with my gut a lot, which is something that I'm lucky I'm able to do. Yeah. I love that. So um, sticking with this idea of strong women, right, as your main characters, um, I wanted to ask you, um, well, I wanted to actually talk about one of the lines. If anyone has the book on page 193, we have Lucas talking to Rosie. And this is also in the Spanish love deception. You have these very smart women who have trouble with love, right? And so they're like, well, maybe I should go on Tinder. Like they talk about these terrible dates and these terrible men, right? And then Lucas says, your bar is so low, Rosie. It drives me insane. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she says, why do you say that? I think my standards are normal. The fact that she believed that made it all even worse. You shouldn't be content with a date that ends up with you scraping an oven clean, I told her. And I could hear the frustration in my voice or standing on top of a counter terrified. I closed my eyes for a couple of seconds, needing the time to stifle the urge to say more than I should. You deserve so much better than any of that. But I I love this theme of like, you know, women, these smart women working hard, but low standards when it comes to men. Why? Why? Like, why do we do that? I know, right? Like, it's one of the things that I love the most about romance. Like, usually, and I get this, I get this question a lot. Like, oh, like, have you hired your expectations in, like, real life men since you started writing romance? Or I also, like, got this question before writing romance when I was, like, a romance reader. Like, oh, I bet your expectations are so high. And funny enough, until very recently, I was telling like I my answer usually would be like yeah I know right like yeah like my expectations are so high because these fictional men um are setting like such a high bar and actually like real life men are not like that but then in September like very recently I was at this event with Tessa Bailey who is also like an amazing is one of my favorite writers like she's yes Absolutely. Um, she's one of the queens of romance, of yes. steamy, spicy romance. Yes. What is it? Hook, line and sinker is like yeah. the big one that people read first usually. Yeah, yeah. Like, amazing. Her books, they are all over my shelf. But she said this thing and she was like, do we like 
are we really, do we expect really like that much? Because we just want a man that listens to us and does things for us. And if you think about it, um, when you're reading like a romance novel, it is, it, it's not that much more complex than just someone that gets you. Like they just listen, they understand and they act accordingly. Like it's, and it, my eyes were open in that moment. Even my boyfriend was like in the, in the audience. And I think he, he saw me like, like yeah. and I realized it's really true yeah like we don't have such high standards we just want to be heard yeah. and but we should have higher standards <laughs> yeah well yes like we but but we are not asking for that much um like we are asking for partnership and for you know just really it's really sad that we are not even like able to get that sometimes, <laughs> right. right? Like right. we don't right. ask for fairy tale. Most of most romance novels, like sure, they have this element of you know, mach, like um, like maximize or um, you know, very fictional. Let's put it that way, like almost fantasy like. But yeah, at the end of the day, we are just asking for you know, someone to sneak out a freaking donut out of a wedding reception in case we're hungry of this <laughs> or these like Spanish beautiful man who just yes. wants us to, to cook get, for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He wants us like well fed and he will take us on dates to help. Um, yeah. It's not that I loved hard. it. I loved it. <laughs> so sort of in this, in the same vein, right? Um, I don't want people to be caught up or scared of these books because they're called romance, right? And there are these amazing sex scenes um, because also you go into these wounded characters, right? So both Lucas um, and Rosie are really like their wounds, right? They're yeah. dealing with and family issues and, you know, not only about their own self-worth, worth, but like, you know, deeper wounds. So um, how did you come up with these? Is, you know, the characters, how did you figure out what the right wounds were to put into this, these books? Usually I start with one, um, with one of the leads and I think about what makes the most sense for them. So in the case of the Spanish, well, actually in the case of both books, it was with my female leads because I think I can relate better um, to them than to their male counterparts. And once I have that figured out, I just think of what kind of man would complement those wounds. And at the same time, what kind of like dynamic would make them heal or open their eyes or get out of their shelves. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so with Rosie, the lead of the American drama experiment, um, like she's an older sister. She comes from a home like that's like a one parent home. Like she basically raised her little brother and she's that sweet vulnerable kind selfless person that wants to take care of everybody yeah so and then when she's like struggling she's like keeping it 
inside because she doesn't want to worry anybody because that's what she that's what she learned when she was younger and had to take responsibility for things that maybe she shouldn't have. So I think a lot of women really relate to that, right? Like that you had to raise your, you know, whoever, your brother, your sister, your single parent, right? Dealing with that. You really captured that. Actually, um, I get a lot of messages from a lot of women who said, listen, I love like your books and I love like Lucas, but I related to Rosie in a way that I never expected. And that is such a huge compliment to me, especially because I think Rosie has a lot of personal traits from me because we go through similar journeys more or less. Um, so a lot of my insecurities ended up on her character. Um, so when some person, like when, when, when someone that doesn't know me, right, like a reader doesn't know me personally. And when they tell me, wow, I related to Rosie so much. Um, like I was seeing my own struggles in her character and I loved it. And that made me love the book. That is such a huge compliment to me. It's just, it just means the world because it, I don't know, it just creates this connection and these, you know, it gives me uh, fulfillment um, as a writer. Right. Yeah. Right. Even the way she doesn't think that she's as beautiful as she is to the world. Right. She has people yeah. asking her out yet she still thinks like Lucas doesn't even want to look at her. Right. Yeah. She has to say, turn around, like open your exactly. eyes. Look at me I'm like, in my underwear. Yeah. So she doesn't assume um, that anyone is going to like want to take care of her and to love her just how she is um, because she's in such a like vulnerable place in her life in that moment like when the book starts and she also has like this huge crash on the guy like she has been stalking him online <laughs> for months <laughs> yes. imagine that you end up sharing a tiny studio with the guy yeah. that you have been stalking on Instagram for months like I would freak out I would be like well I'm out of here <laughs> but again that's so real right because we can stalk people or find out everything about them on you know social media before we even meet them and then I see people pretending that they don't know anything and I always just want to say like are you kidding me you can find out all this information right and you put that in there yeah like Russ is like I know he likes pineapple and pizza and this little (laughs) car that he got here he got because he tripped over the leash of his dog like I know these things because I'm a stalker I love it. It's just so real. So you talked about your fans and I really want to talk for a few minutes um, about you as a TikTok phenomenon, because I love that you said that you wrote, um, you know, Spanish love deception, not even really with no expectations. And Mm. Amazon makes it possible for any of you that are listening or anyone out there, right? You can self-publish. You can, um, you can design a cover. You can pay someone a little bit of money or have a friend help you and you can put it out there. And that's what you did and you put it out and and readers found you and they just like blew you up on TikTok. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And could you talk about that journey and what it felt like and sort of just tell us about it, please? Yeah. So I mean, I should say that unlike most debut authors, I already had 
an online presence on Instagram as a book blogger. So I had been, you know, in contact with publishing houses and with other bloggers and with like self-published authors for a long time. So I kind of knew a little bit of how marketing works and how publicity works. And I also had like this little, you know, um, contacts, um, like a small network of sorts. So I didn't start from scratch. Like I didn't start from zero, zero. I kind of had a platform. It, it wasn't on TikTok. It was on Instagram because that was the um, the platform um, before TikTok, you know, stepped into yes. the game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that definitely helped me. And when I self-published the book, I was um, like the book was selling in what I thought was um, a good way, like a good amount. Um, I was not making, you know, tons of money that I could quit my job and do the full full time writing gig. I'm not going to lie, but it was like a good amount, at least, you know, from the expectations that I had, which were, again, very low or close to zero. Right. Um, But then months after, like months after I self-published the book, I think like almost like six months, it started getting like attention on TikTok. And did there, did something happen that kicked that off or was just the right person read it? Some people, like some small um, bloggers or some small like TikTokers started like um, talking about it and it was building up. But like, again, it was something very organic and very like normal. But then there was this one TikTok and it was a girl um, who was telling the plot of the book as if it was her life. And then at the end of the TikTok, she was like, "Okay, if you enjoy this and want to know how it ends, you can read Spanish Love Deception. And it started getting like thousands, like hundreds, thousands, millions of of views that one. Unbelievable. And overnight, so the following day, my book sneaked into the top 100 of the Amazon chart. Um, which is unbelievable. That is very hard to break in the top 100. crazy. Yes, it is crazy because the competition is insane and there's like hundreds of books being published every day. Yeah. So to be in the top 100 of the Kindle store was like bananas. I was like, what is going on? And I thought, <laughs> okay, so woohoo, you know, this one day that I'm going to be there is great. <laughs> but it was just like the first domino piece to fall. And that unraveled like this crazy journey where um, I started getting emails from agents, from publishing houses, like acquisition wow. editors from, you know, because the book would not drop it would just stay there and the mouth to mouth on tiktok was crazy so it's amazing and then you are. i mean atria <laughs> your publisher right is a major publisher oh, yeah. and they put out spanish love deception and it went straight to the top of the new york times bestseller list that very yeah. first week i know i stayed there for a few weeks i was like yeah. what the heck is going on <laughs> I just think that is so amazing. So um, a lot of the people who listen to this are writers or aspiring writers. So what kind of advice do you have for people who are looking to get started? I mean, obviously, I think this what happened to you is not like that is not what's going to happen to almost everyone. Right. It is. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is a very. 
specific success story, um, you know, helped and moved by TikTok. So I am very lucky. Um, I mean, there's a lot of hard work behind, you know, this strike of luck. But I was still very, very, very extremely lucky. And it's a very special story. But my advice to aspiring writers is first, I mean, you need to have a book, right? Um, So my advice to you is write the book that you want to read. Forget about the noise. Forget about the trends. Forget about, oh my God, but I think this is going to be liked or this is, you know, I heard that whatever is all the rage. You should not care about that because if you write the book that you want to read, the reader, like the final product, you're going to be able to tell that there's passion and there's love. And writing a book also is not something that happens in one month or two months is a very long process and you have to be sure that you're enjoying what you're doing. So like how long? What's a long process? I I wouldn't know. This is the first time that I'm actually writing a book full time, like right now as we speak. Okay. Um, Because the two previous books I wrote for the most part while I was still working full time. So it, it was, you know, um, different. Um, mm-hmm. thing maybe a book could take me five, six months to write, like to get something. That would be super fast. Yeah, super I fast. I think it would still be kind of fast. Um, yeah, amazing. Yeah. But um, you know, I think also you mentioned that there's a lot of hard work into it, right? You're working on this full time. It's mm-hmm. not like you just sort of, I don't know, type bang out a New York Times bestseller, yeah. right? I mean, as you were saying, you have deleted and revised and gone through this, right? And there are big thoughts in here, right? Feminism, what it means to be a strong woman, what kind of man you want, mm-hmm. right? It's not just great sex scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And people often forget that a romance novel is, yeah, like you're able, like you need to be able to connect emotionally with the reader. And that's not easy. Like, to, you know, you have to be able to move the reader and to make them feel things for these characters. Like whether that's excitement or, you know, sadness or frustration or I don't know, horniness, I don't care. But those are emotions, <laughs> right? So that is not easy. And I thought I was not able to do it. Like it was a huge surprise when people loved uh, my debut. Um I'm not going to lie. I'm still sometimes second guessing like, really? (laughs) Oh, no. But yeah, yeah, it's not just, you know, about the fluff and the kidness and the sex. Like there's so much, so many layers. Right. Because it's, it has to be a book that people can connect to. Yeah. They have to see something in your characters that they see in their lives. Yeah. Right. And and then they can, then you take them on the journey. Maybe that could happen to me. Right. And you can read into the happily yeah. ever after. Exactly. So, and you do it so beautifully. Um, okay. So my last question for you, cause we're almost out of time. Mm-hmm. I am dying to know what was the, your favorite scene to write. Okay. In, yeah, okay. and American. Because so, I, I wrote to you about Dolce de Leche. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. that seems my favorite. That's, what was yours? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I look at the thing. Like, I look at Dolce de Leche in a very different way now. I cannot, like, I cannot not giggle when I think of it or when I see it <laughs> on a shot. I'm like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But my favorite scene... Um, and I'm not going to give away too many details, but my favorite scene in the book is the rooftop scene. 
Mm. Um, I cried. It, it was like the first time that I cried of pure like happiness when I was writing that. I was just like so, you know, filled with love, <laughs> with like <laughs> laugh and emotion. And I was like, oh, they are perfect for each other. And yeah, yeah, I, I had a moment. So that's my favorite. And my favorite from the Spanish Love Deception. You haven't asked, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yes, please, please tell One me. One of my favorites <laughs> from the Spanish Love Deception is the stalker scene um, when Aaron just like, you know, throws Catalina over up. his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, OK, let's do this. Um, yeah, that's that that was the, the scene that I had the most fun writing. I loved that scene. I reread it so many times because I was like, there's so much emotion in it, but it's fun. Yeah. How did she do that? Oh, right. Thanks. Like you, you just packed in what, like you were saying, that was laughing. Yeah. And yet that connection to yeah, it. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It's the first oh time God. that the hero really like comes out of his shell. And yeah, yeah it's a beautiful moment. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elena Armas, thank you so much for joining us today. On- Check this out at the Howe Library. Her books again, The American Roommate Experiment and The Spanish Love Deception. If you love this book as much as us or both of them, go to your library and check them out or go to your local bookstore and buy a copy. Thank you again to the Howe Library Corporation for sponsoring us. Thank you to our amazing producers, Megan Coleman and Jared Jenish. And thank you to the Howe Library. We will see you on November 30th. Our next installment is The Family Izquierdo with Ruben de Goyado. So I will see you back here at 7 p.m. on November 30th. 30th. Thank you so much. Thank Have a good you, night. Everyone. Bye. And thank you, Holly Library. <laughs>